Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is episode 18 of the Root for Wisconsin show. 18. Holy 18. shit. It, it can vote now. It can shoot guns. Wow. Could buy a pack of some. No, it can't. No, no, more. no more. They changed that. Eh? Fudge. You could probably drink in a bar. Up north, probably. Tennessee. Illegally. No one asked questions. Kentucky. <laughs> Yeah, we've we done some stuff here, guys. The Episode moon, 18. Moonshiners. Coming to you from the Riverwood Gallery and Mean Your True Value Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm Eric. Ramsey joining me here. Howdy. And Justin, all three of us in the hey, studio. Three weeks in a row, boys. Boom. Boom. I'm here three weeks in a row, in-house, second week with Ramsey because he was the last one not in-house. Boom. You were in my house. You were in his house. He's got a point. Literally, I, I'm here I don't all the care. time. I don't care. It doesn't count. <laughs> All right. Hey, one night off. One night one, off. One night. Zoomed in. Woo. <laughs> Sorry, I took vacation, Justin. Hey, I take more vacations than I. Hey, I I'm, I'm got, I've got a streak going here. The snowball's going. I'm three weeks in a row here, guys. We should. How about an applause? How about an applause? No, I'm not applauding. I'm not applauding for someone doing what they're supposed to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Ramsey. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna applaud you for doing like the bare minimum that we ask. <laughs> Just show up Just and be, have an occasional yeah, opinion. Yeah, be present. I mean, <laughs> all right, all right. All next right, question. So episode 18 coming at you here. And we can't do it without our wonderful sponsors. We had Monkey Knife Fight. I know I think I won one of my four from the NASCAR episode. How'd you do, Ramsey? I was, I think it's the same. I won one of the four. Truex really screwed it up for us. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that son of a bitch. I really like Martin Trust Jr., though. I do, I too. I couldn't even be mad about it. I don't it. like anybody in a Toyota, so there's that. That's a terrible take, but okay. Mm, well. It's one you stand by, though. I'll give you the conviction for yeah. it. I'm a Chevy guy. I think orange is my favorite color in a race car. Oh, so you're a Ty Dillon fan? No. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that got shut down quick. You're a uh, David Starr Whataburger fan? No. Mm. He's a Chase Elliott Hooters car fan, though. Yeah. Well, that's black now. Well, he's orange. You guys see he's running the Kawiki throwback for Jonathan? That, that is awesome. I know. You know Badass. They're on our local radio show. They were doing the uh, the jersey contest or whatever, the bracket challenge or whatever yep. for jersey thing. I was going to call in and say uh, the Hooters fire suit should have been in the bracket. So speaking of Chase Elliott, I got, some, I, I got a confirmation about an order from his website, and I'm not sure what I ordered. <laughs> so Send it. Yeah, we'll see what it is. I don't know. Send it. It's it not. might be a duplicate hat, so if it, it is, we can give that away or something. It could or be. I can call dibs. I, I need to sell Maybe it's a hockey jersey. Ooh. No, it's not. I don't think he makes hockey jerseys. Oh, that's fair. So the other sponsor of ours, Ray's <laughs> Energy, which Ram, Ramsey proudly, proudly supporting right now. Every day. Every He's day. Trying. Yeah, yes, in the last two it. weeks, I think I've Has seen not him taken, more. He hasn't taken that shirt off since he got it. Yeah, kind of starting to smell, buddy. Just I, you know, you gotta rip the brand though. That's true. <laughs> That's true. No, our friends over at Ray's Energy code root four on their website root four, fifteen percent off. Great products that they have. Yeah, excellent. Mm-hmm. They're Justin. You get yours yet? No. Uh, Ramsey and I were just talking about that before we came out on the air here. That uh, about a week, about a week is the expected uh, delivery time, and I'm running like on six days right now. So I was hoping that it was gonna come by the show. And it didn't. 
But all right, we'll have to catch up with you I, on that next I, week. I have an order. Has anyone tried the Miami yet? I have not. I've heard such good things. Yeah, it though. looks delicious. The Miami, so we'll yeah. So I'm, that's actually going to be my next pack that I'm ordering. A little pissed off at Ramsey because he all bought out all the hats on the goddamn website that I can't get I, a hat. I said I'd give you this one. Well, no, he, he offered it off his. Head. I did. I literally said, Justin, you want this one? And no. I, I tried. To I get want it my to you. own. And you refused it. I don't want you to not have one. I want well, my own. I can always order one later. I have a bunch of hats over there. Ew, so do I. That's my wife. I have a ton of hats. I don't. <laughs> I just like hats. I'm like you. I like collecting hats. I don't collect hats. I just. It's true. I need I need hats for different outfits. I do too. I agree. Same thing. So same thing. That is a yeah. big time take that I'm all for. And I like Hooters uh, racing gear. So yeah, I tend to buy a lot of that because it says Hooters. No, I like orange. Oh yeah, he's got orange right now. Not that this makes any good radio. Content so you like Ty Dillon? No. <laughs> you like Whataburger? No. All right. Actually, <laughs> I do. Whataburger's delicious. If you ever get around I've never one. had Whataburger. Yeah, it's actually really good. I've never had it either. But so some big stuff coming up here. We got an awesome interview with Mason Sprangers. He's our football scout expert. We'll have that coming up later in the show. Before we get to that, we got to go with what we always start off with, what we had rooted for this week. Justin, you were ready to go on this. What do you want to start with? Buddy? Yeah, uh, actually today, uh, earlier today about noon, uh, Brad Davidson of the UW men's basketball team uh, announced that he was going to come back for his fifth season. He can kick rocks. Yeah, I, I know that you know he's not a popular choice am- among a lot of people, but he's exactly what uh, the Badgers are going to need next year, an uh, experienced guy that can take the heat, um, that has – experience in taking the big shot when they need it, whether that goes in or not. He's the guy that's going to take it. Don't they um, need better players in general, though? He, yeah, well, they're going to be really, 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 really young next year. Like, um, like, like, like a Duke or a Kentucky young. Uh, they're going to play a lot of freshmen. So, but not to that five-star talent level. Uh, no, four-star, four-star guys. Uh, they just they just need a guy that's going to be able to take the heat that can answer the questions in the media that can, you know, do all the small things that um, those freshmen are not going to be able to do and sometimes on those other teams fail to do and and lets them eat them up in that in that retrospect. So um, to have I I just feel like it's such a huge huge gain for um, for Greg Garden. And and specifically since they couldn't get anybody to come in the transfer portal, um, so it's it's just big because y- you now have a bona fide leader again. So uh, just just good for them, good for Brad Davidson. Um, you feel like he's a future coach, just just kind of the way he plays and and talks in the media. And um, so yeah, I'm that's what I've rooted for. I'm super excited about it. Ramsey, I was from for NASCAR like I normally do. Martin's Horse, it was a long race, but it was good. It was entertaining. Good parts. Yeah, it was a good race. It wasn't too bad. I, I, you know, a little sad. I, w- I would have loved to watch uh, the, the race go under the lights. Yeah, on um, Saturday night. You, you kind of feel like, um, again, that like second race in a row or whatever, that um, the, the Xfinity race being run before the, the cup race really affected how the track played out at the start and, and all the way through the game. So I don't know if you guys heard race. this. Speaking of rain, they were talking about potentially doing a dome over Bristol. What? Yeah, so that's going to be potentially. I, I don't 
I'm just trying to figure out how logistically that'd be a big ass dome. Well, you know the Chili Bowl um, in Oklahoma, they're in a that's in a dome. Well, how big of a track? That's an eighth. That's an eighth, but it's doable. So they were that was thrown out there when uh, we were down there. They were talking about that. Kind we, of floating what, around. What is what is Shano? That's a third, third. I think three uh, a third mile. No, uh, three eighths. I think it's three eighths. Yeah, Shano. something around there, but. Shano's not Seymour's a half. Yeah, Shano and Bristol are similar sized. Yeah, okay. it probably is a half then. They're similar. They're close. Okay. Yeah, I think actually I think uh Shano's bigger than Seymour. Not that I could tell you that off the top of my head. Either way either way, that that's gonna be a big ass dome. Either I, way. That, I think they're trying to figure out a way to um I don't think so. I mean you think you look at the domes nowadays, like they gotta be a half mile. Well, I'm saying I think they're just trying to figure out a way to get around. It's just like a canopy is what you're probably talking about, right? Right. Throw some sticks in the ground and cover the son of a bitch. It would be nice, though, because it was sweltering. That would would be be freaking crazy with, I'm assuming, how high the grandstands are there. Like, that place sits like a quarter million people. It's it's not as, it wouldn't be as big of an undertaking as you'd think. They play a football game in there, so. That's true. So, I'll go next here, and I want to preface, this is not, I'm not a financial advisor. This is not financial advice, but oh, Dogecoin God. to the moon. The fucking moon. We just to lost the fucking moon. listeners. No, 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 Justin. Everyone loves, everyone loves Doge. Dogecoin all the way. The coin of the people. The coin of the people. It's up <laughs> five cents. We're up upwards of 13 cents now per Dogecoin. Sell, sell it. Now you got to no, hold. No, you hold. You hold. Diamond hands, Justin. Sell Come it. Come on. You hold Don't on. Make thirteen cents on your dollar. You can come back with a dollar thirteen, right? Isn't that how it works? Not even a little, but it, okay. it's okay. Do you remember back in the good old days of Doge was two cents a coin? I remember those days. I remember. I remember. <laughs> I remember. But Sell it. Also, also on a serious note, uh, Milwaukee Brewers baseball, which we're going to touch on just a little uh, bit. Red hot right now. Starting pitching. Lights a Historic, out. historic clip right now. So big fan of that. I get to go down there on Friday, release day. I'll be in American Family Field, tailgate a little bit, go watch some baseball. It's going to be a good weekend. You should hop over to Beloit and catch a game over there. Not a fucking chance. You should just sell your tickets and not go watch the bird. Not a chance. You could watch them on TV. It'd be about the same thing. People have spoken, Ramsey. People want you to watch the was. I'd probably fall asleep. The people want you to watch the beer. Well, yeah, I'd get hammered drunk and fall asleep and then rally after. It's fine, man. Just the, uh, skip the boring parts, you know. Go like dress up as like a keg and roll down the slide atriums or whatever you <laughs> fucking call them. All right, so we go from the positive to the negative. Tyler here, no of the week. I know Justin was all amped up on this one too, so I'll let him start once again. I I am going strong on this one. Uh oh. I might get uh, myself in trouble here. Uh oh. I have spoken with Ramsey, and he says that I should definitely give this to oh, full on this person. I've not heard this. This is yet, the so most deserved no I think we've ever had. given. Yeah, ever. Well, this over might, Kevin King. This, no, no, not no. Over Kevin this King. might be Kevin King dumpster fire of the year kind of take. Oh boy. <clears throat> oh boy. My wife texted me on the way here and told me, "Tell Eric." I'll go to a spring training baseball game with Let's him. go! <laughs> and I said, no. That, just, just that word, no. Oh, things that are not happening. You are not doing that. 
<laughs> Big fan. Absolutely not happening. Just, just as a stand at this point. Like, I think she's doing it in spite, just to spite me and Ramsey. I'm a big fan of this. Let's make it happen. Can you imagine saying, hey, I want to go watch spring training baseball? Hell Can you yeah. imagine that yeah. coming out of your mouth? Like, <laughs> Hell yeah. You guys are haters. It's like, what's haters. even worse is that you typed it with your fingers. Yeah, yeah that you actually had to read what you were like, Honey, writing. Honey, I out. love you. I love you with all my heart. And I, 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 I'm so thankful for the gifts that you've given me, but you need to quit with the spring training baseball yeah. stuff. You can watch all the spring training baseball with, with me that you want. It's okay. I'm a big fan. Ramsey. You guys are dorks. <laughs> dorks. That's all it is. All right. My wife, I love my wife, but you're not a dork, honey. You're just, you've got some bad taste in things like spring training baseball. Ramsey. So my noogie of the week, as always, is the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. Oh. Don't play defense. And then they actually had a decent team. They don't play. They and don't play. For some reason, all of these superstars are just going to sit out and not have to. <laughs> they don't play. Yeah, uh, I know. And you know how my takes on James Harden being a bad teammate. And, and he's the best one there. Yeah. Kyrie Irving's a dumpster fire. Yeah, he could get it. But, like, just what we were talking about, like, Kevin, Kevin Durant played three games since February. You know, I'm really sick of Kyrie just, like, taking off random games just for personal reasons. He's Dennis Rodman 2.0 at this point. Yeah. No. Dennis no. Rodman was a better player. Yeah, Dennis Rodman at least, was sitting At in. least Rodman was funny. Kyrie's just kind of a yeah, dork. I mean, Rodman's like, he's in hotels with Carmen Electra. Yeah, like, like, that's good stories. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Kyrie's, oh, I have Kyrie's personal like, reasons. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go to my family's birthday party. I think party. the world is flat, so I'm going to take a day off. So you guys are just kind of proving his point with that whole Earth is flat thing. He said it as a joke to make to see how many people would react to it. No, Kyrie's yeah. stupid. No, he's just... Yeah. He's stupid, a bad teammate, and doesn't want to play defense. He failed out of Duke, so he went to the draft. That's what I heard. Wow. <laughs> wow. This show and I love all Duke. sorts of hot takes. <laughs> well, Kyrie, I think Kyrie Irving's on the you're not invited list. Really? Yeah. I would, I don't, I would I don't, love to have Kyrie Irving like, on this show. He fell though. off a cliff. Like, Kyrie, once him and LeBron broke up, they, he yeah, fell he, like, he, off a cliff. He trashes LeBron quite a bit. Like, I am, Kyrie, you can kick rocks. You're not invited. I, I would invite him on. I just want to see what kind of crazy stuff he would say. I don't even care. No, I wouldn't want him on. No, I wouldn't want him either. It'd be bad. It'd be bad radio. I'd rather have Christian Leitner than him. Oh, that would be, that would be a great get. I'd love to have Christian Leitner. Yeah, you know, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't know if I have a nugget of the week this week. As passionate about things as I am, I, I really don't know if I have one. I was originally going to say Wilson Contreras for that that shit show he did to uh, the, the Brewers on Tuesday. Mm. But I can't even be mad about it because it's the exact same shit that I would do if I was playing. You can't give Council a noogie of the week for putting in a pitcher he didn't even have on the card? No, I can't. I mean, you got called up that day. That's probably somebody else's job. You I, know, I, if he was in spring no, training, no, no. he'd probably You're be on the card. You're the manager. That's this not somebody so, else's so, job. Yeah, he just <laughs> didn't do his you job. I'm, the manager. I'll give him a pass on that one. They won the game anyway. Game wasn't in Game wasn't in doubt at that point. That. Wasn't that last night they lost? That was on Monday. Oh. All the days kind of run together. Can we talk about baseball and how terrible 162 games is? <laughs> it's, You're going to lose this one in my book anyway. Plus so. 40 spring training games. Yeah, no, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like baseball, I would watch baseball if we cut that season down to uh, I'm okay 82. 82 games. No, man. no, 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 no. See, this is where, this is where the problem with baseball is. 
is that we're all yeah. oh, we're so old school we can't have YouTube we yeah. can't we have to have writers yeah. vote in our Hall of Fame we have to do 162 games that's what we've always done I don't think done. it has to be 162 yeah. I just I don't think 82 is the that's what, but think, that's the problem with baseball is that they can't think outside of right. anything outside of what we've done in the past I'm gonna, that's, that's terrible business I'm gonna touch on what you say because I you know what is the one thing that everybody wants more of the NFL they, yeah. And and that's what the NFL does great. And like over their eleven year contract on TV rights, they're going to get one hundred and twelve billion dollars. I don't. Or something I don't like that. disagree with well, anything so you're saying here like, in terms of the there's baseball just needs too to adjust. Much. There's just too much of it. I just don't think eighty two is the right number. Well, but it's baseball too long and too over, boring. What forty percent of baseball students totally irrelevant? Yeah, I would say yeah, over fifty percent. Yeah, I mean that's why the NFL is so good is that you every single game matters. The best part, the best part of baseball season, you know, really kind kind of comes in the middle of the season when you get the All Star break and you yeah. can kind of reboot yourself, and then and then you go from July and then you go to October and it's a sprint kind of, you know. Because really, I mean, baseball. That's really when baseball. I kicks do in. pay attention to baseball a little bit. Come what All Star break, yeah, September first. I'll, I'll pay attention to what's going on. But until September, it doesn't matter. And we're sitting right. in April. And See, it's the and only... then laugh at the people that are sitting here in April and the Brewers lose, what, their first three games or two games? And, and, their first about three. It. and they're all flipping out and the Brewers need to do this. Like, Oh, I laugh at tight. those people too. I mean, there's only, you know, 150 million more games to go. So I also had another nugget of the week. Yeah, go ahead, Ramsey. Uh, the people on the internet that are saying Julian Edelman deserves to be a Hall of Famer. Ooh, yes. Actually, I'm going to change mine to this, too. This is you guys can all go kick rocks. Like, deserves or doesn't deserve? He does deserves. not deserve to be a Hall of Famer. Really? No, I, I agree. I'm, 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 I might not get the week of the people who really? say he does. This is yeah. going to be an interesting so, topic. Let's talk about let's this, Let's just guys. talk about receivers as a whole in general. Julian Edelman had a great career, right? I think we can all agree that he well overachieved what he was supposed to do. 12 years, right? 12-year 12, 12 career? Yeah, yeah thirty-four. So, and he well overachieved, and he's arguably one of the best postseason receivers of all time. Well, he's second best. He's got the second most receptions. Just because he have receptions, though, doesn't necessarily mean that you were the reason. He's the he's the one that made Tom Brady so great. <laughs> <laughs> Can you mute him for that? Yeah, I think that's immutable. No way. Yeah, that's no a, that's way. immutable. Uh, I'm gonna yell at yours. That's immutable. <laughs> Yeah, he's muted for now. That, that's a mute timeout. I, no, but, I, I, I will, I will agree. I don't think that he is a Hall of Famer. If he, if it was just his postseason accomplishments, by all means. But who he was, the story with him, is better than the career was. And you know the Julian Edelman thing. I am fine if like he is a New England Ring of Honor player. Like he gets to go up on the wall with all the great other New England players. Hell, retire number eleven if you really want but, to. No. If you really want to, if you're that, no. if that's what you want to do, I'm not saying I would do it. I'm just saying, if that's what it takes to pacify the fan base. No, sure. anyone that's saying the Julian Amendo is a Hall of Famer. I mean, there's, you got, and the thing with the receivers too is their numbers are only going to go up from here. So when you have a Hall of Fame wide receiver, like Devontae Adams is going to have way better numbers than Julian Edelman just because he's playing in a more pass friendly league, right? Right. So Julian Edelman hasn't done enough in his 12 seasons of playing that would warrant a Hall of Fame career. 
No, I, I, I would agree with that. You know, you talk about guys who, and this is a very popular take on Twitter, but I'm just going to echo it. So Will Brinson, just because he's the one I'm reading it from, so I'm going to credit him to it. Torrey Holt and Reggie Wayne are not in the Hall of Fame right now. And, and had Torrey, much better careers. Can we talk about Torrey Holt was one of the Man. better receivers I've ever seen in my life? Like, Torrey Holt was really good. Great show on turf. T.O. was, what, two years out until he got in? Something like that. Him and Ch- Chad Johnson, too, I think. And so, forever it, to get in. But even if we're talking about... To be in the Hall of Fame, I think that... Especially the NFL Hall of Fame. Like, everyone kind of gets into... The, the NBA, the NBA Hall, or Hall, pro or basketball, pro basketball, pro basketball. Yeah. Everyone kind of gets in. The baseball Hall of Fame is a joke. How so? You I'm, I'm just curious where you're going with you this. Can't, they've totally just barred out a complete era, basically, because people are using steroids. I yeah, I would agree with you on this. And Pete Rose still isn't in. Barry Bonds isn't in. Roger Clemens isn't in. Sammy Sosa is not in. The fact that you are being pissed off writers about... I, I agree with this whole thing, by the way. So that's that's one of my big beefs with Major League Baseball. I just that, want to make wow. sure that that's the reason you're going at it. Yeah, that's... Never selected to a Pro Bowl. Uh, th- that's what I'm saying. So wow. to be in the NFL that. Hall of Fame, you need to be at a top five position, top five of your position for five years, five to eight years. So would you break that down and classify it as into an outside receiver, a slot receiver? Nope. You have to be the top five, top okay. five of your position for an extended period of time. Okay. Like, like I said, Julian Edelman is probably the greatest story of wide receiver. Like he's entertaining to watch. Yeah. yeah. He was scrappy, small dude. You know. He got the most of his legacy. Talent. Legacy, great yeah. legacy guy. Great guy you want to have, like you said, in. Have him around. Have him around the franchise down the road. Have him as a, you know, alumni weekend yep. guy, come into the locker room kind of guy. But but I mean, we can talk about two guys from Green Bay that, as of today, I don't think are Jordy Nelson's not a Hall of Famer. I'd agree with that. And I don't think Devontae Adams is yet. No, not yet. yet. Right. So he's not a Hall of Famer as of today. Not yet. He he's not yet. He needs probably two or three more years of what he's doing to be a Hall of Famer. So the fact that and those two guys are immensely better NFL wide receivers. Well, you look, than let's just go from Jordan Nelson. You look at guys. <laughs> Greg Jennings, he's not in. Nope. No. James Jones isn't in. Donald Driver is not in. And the, none none not, of those guys are probably going to get in. The only one that I think has an outside chance right now is probably Devonte. Well, Driver might. Driver. Driver only. could down the road, kind of like the the Jerry Kramer route. Yeah, like Leo, but Leroy even, Butler. But Jerry Kramer's kind of always been talked about making all of fame. Leroy Butler's always kind of been in that conversation. Donald Driver's not 10, yeah. anywhere near that conversation right now. Well, I mean, he's probably really the close, closest one as we talk about it. But yeah. he's not even in the conversation. That's what no, I'm saying. Right, but he's not even the He's, he's not the guy like the Veterans Committee goes back in 30, 40 years from now, gets him in towards the Think end. Think about it, like... But that's how hard it is to make the yeah. NFL Hall well, like of Fame. I, like yeah, I said, you, you think have... about how good Sterling Sharp was. I mean, what did he play, seven years? But that's the problem. He only played seven years. Right, and he made it. Sterling Sharp then? Yeah. Is he? Yeah, but he also got in from what? I mean, there's when you have a human element to it, you have guys sure. who get in based on things like what he would have done. And I think that's ultimately kind of the case for Laura Butler. Not, what, not just what he did. But I think he sh- probably should be in at this point because of what he would have done longer. I don't know. I I flip up on him being but a Hall of Fame a lot. that's Nick then, too. Well, it's Sean Taylor. Yeah. I really want to talk about it. Those, but those guys don't deserve to be in. That, and that's 
2014, he was inducted. Was he really? I must have. Oh, yeah. That's so cackalacky. But that's how the NFL Hall of Fame works, though, is that it's not the Hall of Good. It's the Hall of Fame. Like, you have to be someone special. And there's, especially at receiver right now, there's just so much. Crazy. Everyone's pretty close, right? Like, the number, the best receiver in the league to the 32nd best receiver in the league, I don't think that gap is 10 miles. It's five. Like, the best quarterback in the league to the 32nd is... Night and day. A hundred years. Like, that's, like, going from Aaron Rodgers to... Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, that, that's not Blaine even... Wayne Gabbert. They're not in the same conversation. Like that, but receivers aren't necessarily the same way. Like, every team has three decent receivers, right? I could agree with that. And that's why making the Hall of Fame as a wide receiver in the NFL is an incredibly hard thing to do. Yeah, like, like I said, if you look at the guys who aren't in, who should be. Reggie Wayne. Tory Holt, Holt. Chad Ochocinco. Mm. He's in now, isn't he? No. no, he should be, but. What? Chad Ochocinco was one of the best receivers for probably about three years stint there. Mm. I mean, Calvin Johnson got in first ballot, but I think Calvin Johnson. Calvin Johnson changed the game. He's arguably the best football player we've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, sure, shit. Look at that. Not in? Not in. Should be. Who's that, Ochocinco? Yeah. Again, there's a lot of those guys. How many years did he play? Chad Johnson played Ten? from 2001 to 2012, technically. He was a practice squad guy for Miami in 2012. Then he went to the Alouettes, and then I don't know what the fuck that is. Monterey Funador? I don't know what that so, is. <laughs> <laughs> so nine years? He still was. So his he was a practice, practice squad guy, and then two. Yeah, but he was, he was a pro bowler. Six-time pro bowler, three-time all-first-team pro, uh, or first-team pro, second-team all Second team All Pro in two thousand three, he was a receiving yards leader in two thousand six. End his career, seven hundred sixty six receptions, eleven thousand fifty nine yards. He averaged fourteen point four yards per reception for sixty seven touchdowns. Those are better numbers than Sterling Sharp. So, so that's what I'm saying. I, someone like Chad Ochocinco should be in, and he won't get in. So someone like Julian Edelman. That, that's kind of going back to my main point is that someone like Julian Edelman shouldn't even necessarily be in this. We shouldn't even have in this conversation. Like it's not. He had a good career, and it's okay that he's not a Hall of Famer. He was a really good player for a really long time, and that's okay. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, you've, you, and you can't necessarily, this isn't necessarily fair. If you take away his Hall of Fame, not his Hall of Fame, take away his Super Bowls, he had a good career. Yeah, and look, it's not it's, it's, a, it's literally the Super Bowl factor, but, and he was a Super Bowl MVP, so should he be in? I don't think so. Will he probably at some point, like, again, a guy later in his life, veteran committee or whatever the hell it's called, he probably gets in at some point. I don't think he gets voted in with the fan vote slash writer vote. But down the down the road, I think he does get in. Ooh. Edelman. I, I don't uh, think he should based on merit, but well, I don't think Eli Manning should either, personally. See, I'm on, I take a different stance on that. You can't tell the history of the NFL without mentioning Eli Manning. You can't. That's just. So you're telling me you don't think Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer? I don't. I don't think he's a Hall of Famer. He should be in, though. I think he gets in, but I don't think he should. I don't like. I think he should be in. I don't think he should deserves to be. Does that make sense? Why? Because he was. He he had a losing record as a quarterback. 
he was he won two Super Bowls. The That's epitome it, of average for the entire time. And that first Super Bowl when they beat New England, that wasn't Eli Manning going out there and winning Super Bowls. That was that defense. Neither that, one of them was, if we're being honest. But, yeah. I mean, if, I don't know Eli Manning had that. a good 12 weeks of his career. There's about 12 weeks stretch where Eli Manning was not not even 12 consecutive weeks. There's 12 weeks in Eli Manning's career that he was above a top 15 quarterback. Yeah, I'm not sold on him long term. So he, sh- Philip Rivers, should be in before Eli Manning is. I'd agree with that. Philip Rivers was a better quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger, who was also in that same. Oh, I know. Ben Roethlisberger's a no doubter. Right. So, but Philip Rivers and Ben Roethlisberger, I think, are both better than Eli Manning. He, is. Ben Roethlisberger been to four, right? He's been to four. He's won two. I think he's been to three. He lost the Packers once. He lost right? to the Packers. He beat the Seahawks and he beat the Cardinals. So I believe one, two, one to three. Okay. I don't think they lost another one with him there, did they? I think they got close a couple times. But he got in the AFC Championship game a bunch. Well, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Some so, dirty dog up in New England shut him down. Thank some, God he had Julian Edelman some to bail him out. Some beautiful angel that was a gift from God. <laughs> Thank God down and Edelman to bail him out and catch all of his puss-armed throws. What did Edelman do last year? He was hurt. Hmm. Shocker. So we look around the stairs. <laughs> We look around the state of Wisconsin. He's injured. And we talked about the Brewers here, you know, best starting pitching start that they've had in franchise history. I think for the first time ever, they've had eight consecutive starts. Who are we talking about? Milwaukee Brewers. Oh. Eight consecutive starts where their starting pitcher pitched at least five innings and only gave up one run or less. It's awesome. Franchise record. Yeah, it's like 1.99 ERA they've got going on. As a collective, there. I think something like that, yeah. Are they in contention for World Series? Num- number one pitching staff in baseball right now. Per staff. In, I, I would say, Ramsey, to answer your question. No. If the lineup can come around and play its full potential, no. maybe. I'd say maybe. Are they better than the Dodgers? No. Probably not. So then they're not. Well, <clears throat> you never know what happens it, I don't think the starting... Oh, it's 162 games. I don't think they're better than the Braves. I don't think their lineup is, no. I think their starting pitching can keep them close, though. So is it, is it... So from kind of a little bit of an outsider perspective, is it kind of a similar thing to the Packers where they're a couple pieces away that if no. they... Nope. If they added an ace, a true number one... I think they have two aces, by the way. I really I do. think they have good pitching. I don't I, mean, I don't think their lineup is gonna contend though. I, if you think Shaw's gonna keep lighting it up through through the whole year to pick him up, it, um if Yelich stays injured, um Kane is kind of playing out of his mind right now. Well Kane just went on the IL today too though. Right. So, so I, and it, that hurts. I think I think they're a batter a consistent batter two away. I don't think it's something that they could add at the mid season point though either. So they're they're gonna be a playoff. Team. They're gonna trade Hira and I move think, Shaw to first base. I think they very well could be a playoff team. I think they are good enough to win the division. Oh, they're a playoff team, yeah, but they're not a they're not a World Series team. Well, so I'm not gonna pay attention to them if that happens. <laughs> we look at another playoff team in the no, state of Wisconsin. Not that I don't want that to happen because I'll I'll be on that fan bus with you. you know, <laughs> I will. Oh, I'll party. Yeah, if they're about I to will. win a World Series, that, so that's a, that's a weekend thing. That's a Friday, well, Saturday, Sunday. Sure. We look okay. at drink a warm beer or something. <laughs> we got one right there for you. Still get Justin. Right. I'm working on it. <laughs> so we go from the Brewers. We look at the Bucks. One again today. 
I haven't paid attention, no. honestly, still, one bit to the Bucks. I still can't get there. The, they've they've played like three or four games now without any of their starters playing. The Bucks, like they beat they beat somebody with four reserves. They won on they won Sunday, but that was I think they had a couple guys back. But yeah, they I think they played their third to last game at this point now without half the team basically. Oh I think the Bucks are just. Especially now with Brooklyn being as good as they, and I think the Bucks match up well with Brooklyn. So come playoff time, Bucks fans don't be too freaked out. But we might pick up our coverage th- of the Bucks. Yeah, I think we'll have to ramp, <laughs> it, up. We'll have to ramp it up at some you point. Know, but they got they, the they've got a big three. <laughs> the so Bucks are so is, boring to watch. This is not the episode we'll talk about the Bucks. We have a lot of Packers stuff no, to get to here. So yeah. why don't we say we'll get to that? We've got. Good friend of mine, Mason Spranger, is coming on. Awesome. Are you guys ready for Mason? Hell yeah, dude. All right. Joining us now is a man I met working for the Green Bay Packers. He is currently an assistant director of recruiting and player personnel at an undisclosed Division Three college. He has interviewed for several NFL and Power 5 NCAA personal positions, three-time attendee of the, Super, or the Senior Bowl, excuse me, attends practices and breaks down players for NFL scouts and GMs, has had four reports featured in the Scouting Academy Student Showcase. Here it is, Mason Sprangers. How you doing, Mason? Yeah, woo! I'm doing great, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. We are excited to talk some draft, and I, mean, I know this is your time of year. Ramsey, you really got. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just Ramsey. You got to pick it up on the on the on the on the guys coming in for the interviews. You got you got to give. Some, we need some life here, we man. Need some we need life some life. In this, you know. As I'm doing this thing, you know, I don't want to take the spotlight <laughs> away from him. Sorry. Welcome aboard, Mason. Appreciate you guys having me on. So Good to Ma- talk some ball. Yeah, definitely. So, Mason, we'll start. Before we get into the Packers, draft needs, draft wants, uh, player profiles mm-hmm. here, I think everybody's kind of looking at the quarterback position. One of the hottest debates here in quarterback draft draftees is obviously Trevor Lawrence, number one. Yeah, no, I don't think that's much of a question. Is no that, doubt about that. Am I wrong in that, Mason? You are not wrong. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence is uh, the best player overall in the class. Um, you know, I just think his tools that he's shown over his three years starting at Clemson, um, he's shown transcendent growth from freshman year uh, through his junior year now. And I just think his skill set along with his size the, the mental aptitude that he has at the position is far and away better than anyone else in the quarterback class. I couldn't say it any yeah. better. Yeah, I don't think there's <laughs> an, an, not, not one argument there. So the, the real hot debate then becomes quarterbacks two, three, four, five, et cetera. And first I want to ask, in, in what order do you think they go? And I guess if you can follow it up as to why, from what you see kind of in that scouting lens that you have. Sure. Um, well, I think there's there's something there's a fine line as far as who's the better prospect and what order they'll necessarily go in in the draft. Um, teams may value a certain trait or a certain characteristic that a player has over what a different team does. So, for example, Justin Fields from Ohio State, he you know put up a lot of good numbers in a big uh, Power Five conference, has good size at six three two twenty five. Um, you know, teams may value that compared to a Zach Wilson, who is similar size, you know, six three two ten, but he didn't play to the high level competition that Justin Fields did. So 
you know, teams may shy away from that. So it kind of depends what teams value when it comes to what order the order they'll go in. Um, but really I think just, or I think, uh, Trevor Lawrence is the only guy that I have at the quarterback position with a first round grade. Now I, I know that sounds crazy really? to say, cause wow. I know that, I know that quarterbacks will are always overdrafted and there's going to be probably four or five that go in the first round this year. Um, but from a, a film evaluation standpoint and from just a grading s- standpoint, um, there are th- concerns that I have with fields, with Wilson, with Trey Lance and with Mac Jones. Now I realize that the quarterback position is the most important position in all of sports. And you need that guy to be a successful team in the NFL. Um, so that's why they get drafted so much higher, but um, there are legitimate concerns that I have with each of the prospects uh, that I just mentioned. But, um, you know, I think Justin Fields uh, is, is the number two guy in the class followed by Zach Wilson, then Trey Lance, and then Mac Jones. So I've always, so since this draft's been talked about, right, I always thought that whoever goes one is going to be Trevor Lawrence, right? We all think he's probably going to work with Urban Meyer. But then the third or three now is San Francisco, and they're probably drafting Mac Jones from. Yeah, I think that's the consensus of, the talk. of what a lot of people think that he fits. Uh, Shannon, like what Mason was saying, it, it was a fit in uh, in a certain profile of a quarterback that that is there in a lot of mock drafts. That's where it's leaning. So I think those are going to be the two that actually end up working, right? Well, I think I, I I don't know where Mason stands on this, but I I would think that Zach Wilson is probably locked in at number two to the Jets. Uh, I don't know uh, if there would be any smoke screens that you would see with that uh, if, if they like anybody more than Zach Wilson. Um, Mason, you want to touch on that? Do, do you think Zach Wilson is is a lock for the Jets at two? I wouldn't necessarily classify it as a lock at this point um, from things that you hear. I mean, it's all kind of hearsay at, at this point, but um, you know, I think they're kind of debating on what they like more. And I think Wilson has a very enticing skill set because I mean, he played a lower level of competition this year uh, because of, you know, COVID, you know, screwed a lot of their scheduling things up, but his, the jump that he took from, last year to this year on film was pretty substantial. I think last year, uh, 2019, I'm saying last year, um, you know, had accuracy issues, wasn't very good on, on the run. Um, I think he didn't see the field very well. He was very locked in on his progressions and, you know, he would go to his number one and he'd be locked in on that. Um, uh, but this year you saw him working through his progressions a lot better. He was better on the move. I think his arm, uh, strength overall increased tremendously. Um, so I think teams are just kind of seeing that, okay, this kid took a big jump from 2019 to 2020. Maybe he comes into our building and with some pro coaching, he can take even a bigger step. And that's why he's an enticing uh, prospect for sure. Um, but I wouldn't really classify it as a lock for sure. Because like I said earlier with fields, he put up a lot of production at Ohio State. Granted, he was playing behind a pretty damn good offensive line, and he had a plethora of weapons to to throw to. Yeah. But you know the production that he had, 
at a big time school. I mean, you're playing, you know, Wisconsin defenses, you're playing Iowa defenses. And then once you get in the college football playoff, you're playing Notre Dame, Clemson, LSU, you know, whoever it is. So he went up against you know, big level competition. A lot of guys that he went against are going to be in the league at some point here if they're not already. And, um, you know, so it's, it's going to be a toss up uh, between those two, but you know, a lot of the the talk around the league is that they're kind of leaning towards Wilson. So then on the flip side, when, when we're talking about Justin Fields and, and him, um, you know, playing that high level competition, you, you flip that over and you talk about Trey Lance and, and, and he's got, what it maybe 12 13 starts at uh, the FCS level um with not a lot of experience at at a high major um level of football is that something that could potentially drop Trey Lance down the draft yeah absolutely i think you know it's going to be really interesting and you know i've last few few years I've done this now where I go through all these prospects and I look at film and do background research and everything like that. And, you know, I've looked at over, you know, 400 prospects probably each year. And this year is definitely the most difficult with dealing with the opt-outs and, you know, his, you know, in his case, he didn't opt out, but his conference did not play football in the fall. So really you haven't seen him play an entire season of football in like a year and a half. Um, so that's going to be interesting to monitor throughout the draft, not just with him, but throughout every position group and kind of gauging where the the guys that really didn't play this fall, where they fall to. But, um, you know, throughout my, uh, my scouting experience, I kind of learned that a guy at a lower level, which, I mean, I don't want to dog on the FCS at all. Cause there's a lot of good players that come out of there that, uh, end up being good in the league. But, um, you know, if you're at a lower level of competition like that and you have that limited starts, um, you know, I kind of learned the, the rule of thumb is that a player at a lower level, uh, you want to see if he's ready to jump to the NFL. He should be dominating 10 out of 13 plays on the field. And when you look at Lance's tape, he shows a lot of really good things. I mean, he's super athletic. I think he moves well in the pocket. His pocket awareness is really good. Uh, he can make all the throws from the opposite hash. He can drive the ball downfield. He can throw with the touch. So he has a lot of really good tools to work with. And he's got good size. I mean, he's six three. He's two twenty five. I mean, that's really good size. But the the sample size is so small. And what I compare it to kind of is Mitch Trubisky uh, coming out of North Carolina. He had kind of the same amount of starts, but teams looked at the skill set. They looked at the size of the prospect and obviously the bears gave up a lot to go up and get them. Um, now I'm not comparing Lance to Trubisky at all, but um, you know, they're kind of parallel in a number of ways, but I, I do think that his lack of starts overall compared with the fact that he hasn't really played a full season of ball, in, you know, over a year, those things could definitely drop him down some teams boards. So I guess with that being said, Mason, two two part question here for you. First, there's always kind of a, a guy who falls further than expected. Maybe it's not always a quarterback. You know, Laramie Tunsil is the kind of guy who comes yeah. to mind with that too. But obviously here in Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is the guy who fell to the draft board for really sell you know, very few reasons, and it turns out in the long run. So first I'm gonna ask um 
do you see there being that kind of a prospect who's so been so highly rated that'll fall quite a bit? And then ultimately, I guess what I'm going to ask, because I know you're a big guy into mock drafts also, where do you see each of these quarterbacks falling? If you had to pinpoint it as of today, April 14th, two weeks away from the draft. Sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll answer the, the second part first. Um, you know, ultimately from what I've been hearing from, you know, teams across the league and things like that. And of course, like I said before, it's all kind of, kind of conjecture at this point, but um, you know, I think Trevor Lawrence is clear cut number one. I think it's, I mean, if I, if I was a betting man, which I guess I kind of am, but uh, I would go put money that Lawrence is going to end up in Jacksonville. I think it's hundred percent at this point that that's, what's going to happen. Um, I think you got fields, uh, Wilson and Jones are going to go top five. Um, I would believe, uh, I think Atlanta's kind of in the spot at number four where they can kind of trade back from there. Um, you know, unless they're really liking one of these quarterbacks that is that's up there, I don't really see them drafting one at this point. So, you know, you could be looking at a team like Carolina that may want to trade up and take one of those. I know they just got Sam Darnold, but that kind of seems like a, a temporary solution to their quarterback problem. Uh, they could be in position to, to move up uh, Houston sitting there. Um, you know, with, without really any picks and they're kind of in need of a quarterback at some point here with what's going on with Watson, there's a lot of unknowns going on there. Um, but I ultimately see, you know, like I said earlier, all those quarterbacks always get overdrafted and I'm guessing that at least four will probably go in the top 10. Um, as far as the first part of your question, a prospect that could fall, um, you know, the, I think a well-known name for the people that have watched college football for the past few years now is Travis Etienne who's a running back from Clemson. Um, really good athlete, great running back at the, at the college level, uh, showed really good vision, jump cut ability, acceleration in, you know, zone and gap schemes. So I think teams will like that. His receiving ability out of the backfield has been really solid as well. Um, but running backs just do not have the value in the league anymore where, uh, you know, a lot of teams aren't going to jump and spend a first round pick on a running back. So while he's a well-known name and a guy who had a super productive and long uh, college career, um, you know, that could be a guy that doesn't hear his name called on, on the first night. And, uh, um, you know, that may surprise some people who are Clemson fans who think that, you know, he and Trevor Lawrence should both go around one, regardless just because he's been their guy for a number of years but um i would look for running backs you know really any of them to kind of be those guys that fall maybe further than they should just because they don't have the value uh that they used to have back in the day with the passing lead that it is now yeah so my my last question uh here talking about quarterbacks um and it kind of touches base with our with our hometown team here the green bay packers uh Judging by how how much traction that Kyle Trask and Kellen Mond are gaining, uh, moving up to the to what it looks like in in the mid second round area, it, is there a chance that uh, they could keep gaining traction over the next two weeks to where the Packers could essentially trade out of the first round and, and a team trading up to get one of those quarterbacks? Uh, just to guarantee that fifth-year option on them? 
Yeah. I mean, personally, I don't, I don't see either of those guys you know, being worthy of even a, a second round pick. I mean, um, obviously, you know, the guys produced in college, but when you look at the traits that they possess, um, you know, I'll take uh, Trask, for example, you know, he threw a lot of uh, passes into contested areas that weren't necessarily accurate. And he was bailed out by guys like Tony and guys like Kyle or excuse me, um, Kyle Pitts as well. Um, You know, he's not very accurate with the football. I think he's inconsistent reading the field Um, you know, with those issues, both accuracy and field vision along with, I don't think he has the biggest arm in the world. Those three things together, um, you know, if I was a GM, I would be spending a, a first round pick or a second round pick on that. Uh, so ultimately for, for Trask, uh, I have a fourth round grade on him and with Mon, I have a sixth round grade on him. Like I'm not super high on either one of those guys, but like I said earlier, quarterbacks are always overdrafted. So will they go higher than that? Probably, but are, are they worthy of those picks? Probably not. I mean, you know, there was, there'd be other guys that are athletes at different positions or hell, even offensive linemen that, um, you know, I have grades on in the second, third round that I would gladly pick, uh, ahead of those guys who I think have quite a bit of development in front of them, uh, once they get to the league. All right. So with that, you know, just a nice little transition here. We we will focus on our hometown team here, the Green Bay Packers. Sure. Uh, first, before we get into this year's draft, a lot of debate, obviously, on last year's draft, you know, a lot of people came away from it pretty upset. We saw a lot of impact players right away. One year out, Mason, where are you on last year's draft that the Packers had? Yeah, I, uh, I'm kind of on board with that. Um, you know, I, I don't think that they filled a lot of needs that they looked like they needed. You know, when that team walked off the field, in San Francisco, it was pretty evident what they needed. And it was a speed guy at the second level of their defense. Um, obviously Mostert and the 49ers offense just ran all over them with their outside zone scheme that they have. Um, and you know, you've seen the last couple of years now, of uh, teams that have gone to the super bowl and a couple of things that they have in common is they have speed at inside linebacker. I mean, you look this year at Tampa Bay, they have Devin White and Levante David. And you look at the year previous, you know, the 49ers, they made it to the Super Bowl. And, you know, they have Fred Warner in the middle. And then you think back to teams earlier in the decade and the Seattle defenses that were so good. They had Bobby Wagner in the middle. I mean, that is a key position on the defense, uh, especially with all the uh, sub-personnel packages that are being employed nowadays. You really need that one guy at linebacker that can cover the middle of the field. Because if you think about it, you know, if a team comes out and offense comes out with a four or five wide receiver set, um, defensive coordinators are going to want to match that with five or six defensive backs. Well, that means that you got to have a guy at middle linebacker that can cover a lot of space in the middle of the field. And so I just don't think the Packers have that at this point. I still don't think they have it. And that's why last year was super frustrating because I said it from like early January that Patrick queen was going to be a good prospect for them. You know, he has maybe some limitations in, in pass coverage where, you know, he needs to improve on some things technically, but he has all the athletic tools to be able to succeed in that position. And 
once I got closer, I figured that, you know, Baltimore, they had a huge inside linebacker need as well. So I figured they had to get in front of Baltimore to get either Kenneth Murray from Oklahoma or Patrick Queen from LSU. And once they traded up to get in front of them, I thought 100% they were taking Patrick Queen. I was like rock solid steady that they're taking Patrick Queen. So then when they announced a quarterback, which, you know, it's just it. It was frustrating because because you 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 look at you look at Aaron Rodgers' film from 2019. I I've argued people on this for you know for a long time now, but you know 2018 2019. If you look at from a statistical standpoint from Aaron Rodgers, they were not his typical Aaron Rodgers numbers. I mean, you look earlier in the, his career, you know he had 45 touchdowns, six interception season, 38 touchdown, five interception season, and then the last you know, two years, 2018, 2019, you know, he was in the mid 20s for touchdowns, still throwing like low digit, you know, four interceptions, two interceptions. But, you know, it wasn't just the, the Aaron Rodgers that we were typically seeing, but there was a lot of factors to that. And, you know, when I turned on the film, I think he was being coached to look in the wrong places at the wrong times. Uh, I don't think his receivers really did him, you know, too much of a favor of creating a consistent separation and, you know, last year, specifically in the first year uh, under LaFleur, you know, just a lot of things seem miscombobulated. Like I said, he was looking in the wrong places. I don't think his progressions got him to where the open receiver was going to be at the right time. So then, you know, his traits were still the same. Though. I mean, he was still fantastic moving in the pocket, negotiating the pocket, great at seeing the field. Accuracy, I thought was still good. I thought all, all of his mechanics were still pretty solid. Then again, then you go to this year and then they had him looking in the right spot at the right time. And the offense was just gelling and they ran a lot of different concepts that looked very similar. That was confusing to defenses and it just, it worked. And so, you know, to not get that, that impact player that could have really helped them this year and to be planning for, you know, four or five years down the road was extremely frustrating because I think the way that I looked at it was Joe Burrow prior to 2019 season, he was a six to seventh round draft pick in my eyes. After watching him in, in 2018, he was a, he was a late third day pick and with his play and how great he played during his last year at LSU, he went from that all the way to number one overall. And so you're telling me that there's not going to be another guy that comes around in the next three to four years where Aaron Rodgers is still your quarterback, there's not going to be another guy that comes around in the next three to four years that maybe elevates himself from a late day or late round pick up to, you know, maybe a second round pick or maybe a late first round pick. I just find that extremely hard to believe. Any chance Mason, any chance at all that green Bay could trade Jordan love this year for, for draft equity i would say i would say no um you know if if that were to happen um you know that's i guess i shouldn't be surprised by i wouldn't be surprised by anything at this point with with what happens in the league but <laughs> yeah um i i think they're they're kind of committed at this point i mean you're looking at a guy in brian gudikins who you know he gave up picks to go up and get jordan yeah. love so at this point you know, if he, if somehow they can trade him and get the, essentially the picks back that he gave up to go up and get him, 
okay, that's that's fine. I'll I'll gladly sit there and and commend him for that. Yeah. But at this point, I mean, if you're giving up uh, a first, you know, a couple a couple picks and you're spending a first rounder on a quarterback, that's your guy. So I mean, I to to be completely honest, I think the the plan for Jordan Love was kind of ruined by Aaron Rodgers this year because I'm of the mindset and I'm just thinking from a salary cap and, and team building perspective. Mm-hmm. My thought is, is that the team was going to try to either the team was going to try to trade Aaron Rodgers after this season, if he did not go out and play the way that he played. So if in, in my opinion, if, if Aaron Rodgers produced like he did in 2018, 2019, yeah. let's say he throws for you know 4,000 yards, 25 touchdowns, five interceptions. I think that, the Packers try to move him at that point. They're going to say, Hey, you know, you, we're, we picked this guy in Jordan love and, and we're going to roll with him. But Aaron Rodgers threw a huge wrench into that yeah. by going out and throwing damn near 50 touchdowns and winning the league MVP. Like how can you trade away the league MVP at that point? So I think the entire plan was to move on from Aaron Rodgers after this past season, but he ruined that. So now I think the front office is kind of like, Oh shit. Like, what, what are we going to do here? I mean, yeah. now we got, they created, they created a really yeah, they bad situation. They created a really bad situation for themselves. And I really wouldn't want to be uh, in the leadership committee, including Mark Murphy and Gudikins and LaFleur, because now, now you're stuck answering all these questions about, okay, what's the plan with Rogers? Nothing's happened from a restructuring standpoint. Nothing has um, has changed really from a salary cap perspective. So, you know, now you're just, you created a very uneasy situation and I'm sure it's not going to be easy in the, in the locker room for the guys involved in it, having to answer the the questions that they're going to end up getting asked probably throughout the entire season. All right. With that Mason. So we kind of go to, uh, what the biggest need, you know, you mentioned it in, in the answer here was coming off the field against San Francisco. It was inside linebacker speed there. After watching this team leave the field at Lambeau against Tampa Bay, is linebacker still that biggest need or where do you think the team needs to go as a biggest need or biggest needs, I guess? Sure. I mean, I think, you know, I think that's still definitely a a big need. I mean, especially I'm trying, I'm kind of curious what their, what their plan is. Um, I think they're, they're expecting a guy like Ty Summers to jump into even a bigger role. I think you saw him playing increased snaps, uh, down the stretch. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, you have him and you have, uh, Chris Barnes and you have yourself, Warren Burks, who, you know, kind of, had a couple splash plays as a rookie, but then has kind of been mainly a special teams player since. Um, so I think linebacker is still a really big need, but then obviously after watching that game in the NFC championship game, offensive tackle was a big need. And of course, obviously you didn't have David Bakhtiari there, but at the same time, ever since Brian Bulaga moved on, you have not had a guy at tackle that, should be a tackle in the league. Like Billy Turner is a guard in the league. I think his, his ability to get into his pass sets and his flexibility, ability to recover 
he just doesn't have that out in space. And that's why he's better suited to play guard. So you need a tackle at some point as well. A guy that can go in and play at right tackle because obviously Bakhtiari, he's going to be coming back at some point. It's not going to be right away to start the season. So of course, you know, Turner will probably be uh, at left tackle or maybe they draft someone who who will be playing left tackle, but you need a guy who can play right tackle once Bakhtiari comes back. So I would say uh, inside backer, tackle those are the the two biggest in my opinion and then um obviously you just resigned kevin king to a one-year oh, deal um, for some reason. so i'm guessing you know they're gonna have to uh come up with a plan at corner um i am not completely opposed to seeing what they do with uh, darnell savage possibly moving him to the slot mm. um you know he played more of that role later in the season on film and he had a lot of ball production from there um you know pick against tennessee late in the season i believe he had one against chicago as well late in the season so he's capable of playing in that spot but um you know it's it's crazy to say because you know i I feel like as you know people that follow this team that we've been saying that cornerback is a is a top three need for for years now and of course i mean they nailed it with jair he's a top five corner in the league, but you still need that, that other guy on the other side of the football that can, that can kind of be like that lockdown as well. So those would be the the positions that I'm really looking at for the team. Do you think there's any need for a slot receiver at this point? Or is that, do you think we're all set there? I, I wouldn't say that we're set. Um, you know, when you, you look at it, um, you know, Devonte Adams, he's, I think he's the best receiver in the league at this point, um, just with what he's done with his game. I mean, it's just evolved so much. I mean, his release patterns are among the best in the league. Uh, is exceptional in the route stem at the catch point after the catch. I mean, he, he does it all. Uh, so I have no worries about him whatsoever. Um, but they've lacked that other guy on the opposite side where, you know, MVS has spurts where, you know, he looks like he can be the guy. Then there's spurts where Lazard looks like maybe he can be the guy. But in reality, I think Valdez Scaling is a number three receiver in the league. And I think Lazard is a number three receiver in the league. So they need that other guy. If you want to play both those guys outside, that's great. Uh, I think a slot receiver could serve them well. A guy who can use quick twitch, uh, tack holes in zones, uh, you know, be good and competitive catch situations across the middle of the field. And there's a number of guys like that in the class. Um, you know, I look at Rondell Moore from Purdue. Uh, he's super quick twitch. Um, at five, nine, he's 175. quick twitch, good and contested situations. Uh, his change of direction is fantastic. Uh, he's great at uh, attacking the leverage of the defense. So he might be a guy. Um, I don't, know if he's really going to be in the first round conversation. I think he's more of a, of a second round type of prospect. Um, but he's definitely a guy that I would look at, uh, Amari Rogers from Clemson. Uh, he's, uh, you know, five, nine, two ten. He's not quite the same athlete that Rondell Moore is, uh, but he understands football and he can attack the, the holes and defenses and catch the ball in traffic also. So, um, you know, I think a slot receiver could really serve their offense well. And, um, you know, LaFleur would find a way to utilize him and, and open him up as much as possible. 
so I guess before we go on to the next question, um, and, and kind of transition with this, so before we can even really go with the next question, I gotta ask. Pick twenty nine comes down, and let's just assume that they're keeping it. You know, that they're not trading up or down. Yeah. If they're picking at twenty nine, so many mock drafts have it going a hundred different ways. I don't think I've seen one that has the same two answers. No. So. If if you're the GM, if you're Brian Gutekunst, Mason, where are you going at pick twenty nine? Sure. I mean, obviously, it uh, depends who's still on the board at that point. Um, you know, there's a, a number of different options at different positions that I like, and I'm kind of the same way that a lot of the, the mocks that I've seen are. I mean, in years past, I've kind of had it pegged where I have like one or two guys that I think they're going to go with, and this year, it just like I said, you know, they can go really any direction. I mean, they could pick linebacker, they could pick tackle, they could pick wide receiver, they could pick corner. Um, but really, um, at pick twenty nine, like I said, depending on who's there, I would love Jeremiah Wosu Karamoa, linebacker from Notre Dame. Um, mm. Not expecting him to be there at that point, unfortunately. Um, but I think he's. Uh, very superior player. I think he's going to step in and be a plug and play kind of guy. Um, you know, good against the inside run. He can plug gaps, good versus outside run. He's got the, the speed quickness to go sideline to sideline, um, takes good angles and run pursuit. But then, you know, in, in the passing game, uh, I don't think he's going to be that guy that can split out on a receiver and mirror him in man coverage, but I think he's capable of, of guarding some tight ends. Now, maybe not the elite tight ends in the league one-on-one, uh, -on -one, but I think he's capable of matching up with tight ends and, and running backs uh, in the short to intermediate areas of the field and, you know, zone coverage. He's shown to be very good at getting to his spots and kind of understanding the route concepts that are happening around him. So he would be a guy that I would love to, to end up in green and gold. Like I said, I don't really expect him to be there at 29, unfortunately. Um, but you know, other, other than that, um, you know, a couple of those wide receivers, I'm kind of curious on where they're going to fall as far as like Rashad Bateman from Minnesota or Kadarius Tony from, uh, Florida. You know, those are a couple of guys that I think are our first round graded guys. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see how the receivers fall because a number of you know receivers that produced really big in 2019 opted out in 2020. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams kind of gauge that. Um, but you know, those would be a few guys that I would kind of look at, uh, around 29. Yeah. So if, if uh, Kamara is not there and, and we really are, you know, trying to dive in and, and solve Joe Barry's problem here with, a with, with an inside backer, uh, the, the next best option at that position, who, who are, who are you thinking Xavier Collins or, or, uh, Nick Bolton, or where would you lean in that area? Yeah, after, um, you know, Parsons from uh, Penn State is my number one uh, linebacker. I think he's a, a top five overall prospect uh, in the entire draft. And then I got uh, Wosu Karamoa. And then, uh, you know, to, to your point, I got Collins and Bolton right after that. Um, I think, you know, Collins from, from Tulsa is is an intriguing prospect. There's kind of been talks that uh, – you know, he may be there at, at 29. Um, so, I mean, that would be definitely an intriguing option. Uh, he's got, you know, good size. I mean, he's six, four, like 
260 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty big boy. Mm-hmm. Um, played a lot of ball. I mean, he's played, I want to say he's played like almost 2000 snaps over the last few years. So, I mean, he's been on the field a ton, um, just the size and length. And, you know, he's got a edge rusher type, um, skill set when he blitzes. Um, you know, if, if there's a linebacker or excuse me, a running back staying in to try to block him on blitzes, um, he'll have a field day at getting to the quarterback. So uh, I definitely like him as an option at, at linebacker as well. Staying with the defensive side of the ball, cornerback, another one of those positions that you mentioned, probably a need to get a true number two guy outside of Jair Alexander to kind of cover up the the Kevin King deficiency. <laughs> where where do you rank the prospects, and what do you think a guy could, who could call, fall to 29 would be at? Sure, well, but before I before I answer, I, I do want to say that uh, I'm interested to see what Kevin King will do in this defense. Um, I think he's gotten a bad rep, based especially on, on this the, show. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he has had bad bad luck on this show. Yeah, yeah, and, and maybe rightfully so. But I guess it, you know, my opinion, um, you know, looking at what he did in college, where he was able to get up at the line of scrimmage and get his hands on receivers consistently, he was really good at rerouting guys and kind of controlling the route from the start. And I don't think he was really afforded that opportunity uh, in Green Bay here mm. under uh, Patton. So with this scheme, um, you know, with uh, Barry coming in, I think, I think if he can play press coverage more often and get his hands on guys early, I think he can succeed. Um, but as far as, <clears throat> excuse me, as far as other cornerbacks, uh, I would look at Newsom. Uh, corner from Northwestern. Yeah. Uh, JC Horn from uh, South Carolina. Those would be a couple guys <clears throat> that I would look at as well. Uh, Sante Samuel Jr. He's kind of a second round guy that I would look at. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk of him going in the first round. I don't necessarily see that, um, but he's got intriguing skill set, really good ball skills also. Uh, so those would be uh, a few guys that I would keep my eye on so you know newsom's been really climbing some some mock drafts and and horn seems to be fit for a top 15 projection uh, those those guys really seem like guys that we would have to kind of trade up and it to go get which uh you know i don't i don't think any one of us are against that that yeah, option not even a little uh, yeah, to, go to go after those guys but if we if we stand put uh, we're we're kind of going to talk about this the second tier level of uh, cornerback options, and, and, and I'm assuming that we're talking about the Asante Samuel Juniors of the world, uh, who who kind of fit, or the Tyson Campbell, uh, some some guys that have really uh, kind of surprised in their testing numbers. Um, do you think those guys are fits at the end of the first round for for the Packers? Yeah, I mean. Um... You know, with with Samuel, um, just his size and his skill set, um, I see him more in in the slot, okay. um, not necessarily an outside corner. But with uh, guys like Newsom and Horn, I mean, they're you know six one, six two, two hundred pounds. Um, you know, those would be guys that would be better fitted to play outside. I think um, 
you know, I don't think there's going to be five corners that go in, in the first round. So it's possible like a Newsome or a, a Horn could, could fall to, to late in the first round. <clears throat> Ramsey? I'm reading some reports. Now. <laughs> I, I, I kind of realized he was a top 15 prospect until who? J.C. Horn. I thought, gonna, I thought he was going to fall a little bit. Yeah, he's really he, he's really risen, and I think uh, Tyson Campbell is starting to gain a lot of momentum. Uh, but he he has a running mate there that that really threw a a, a damn good uh, forty timeout, right? I think Eric Stokes is his name. Is that correct, there, Mason? Correct. Yeah, I actually, I have a like a four two five or something like that. Oh, yeah, really really fast. <laughs> um, I have Stokes as my seventh uh, corner. I have Campbell as my 13th, so two Georgia wow. guys that are, you know, t- top 15 quarters. Yeah, so Mason, another guy that could fall potentially, I, you know, you see him all over the mock draft. Caleb Farley is a guy who rated really high coming in, and then his the question marks with his health right now, with his back injury, where does that, where do you put him at right now in terms of where he could fall because a lot of, like I said, a lot of drafts have him really high rated as probably CB one or CB two up there. Yeah. But that back injury is causing a lot of question marks Yeah, to where it kind of feels like Newsom has kind of passed him up in, in, in the rating uh, situation. Yeah, I have, I have him as my number one corner. Um, but again, you know, with those, the injury concern, like you mentioned, and then he is also another guy that opted out yeah. for, for this season also. So it's going to be interesting where teams gauge that because, um, you know, with a guy like that who had such good film in 2019, um, you know, it's, you have to think, okay, there's other guys in the class who came out in 2020 and they improved and they're, they showed improvement on film whether it was technical standpoint, athletically or whatever it is, you have to trust as a decision maker in the league, you have to trust that the kid that did not come out and play this year, that he did the right things in the weight room. He improved, whether it was, he got bigger, faster, stronger. He improved his technique at, you know, for a corner. He improved his, his pedal. He improved his, his hands and his feet at the line of scrimmage. You know, you have to trust as a decision maker that, he did those things on his own in, in the off season. So, you know, if you're, if you're drafting a guy like this, who, who opted out, you're taking a little bit of a gamble for sure. especially a guy who like this, who, you know, had a couple injury uh, concerns in college uh, prior to this, um, you know, you're, you're taking a little bit of a gamble for sure. But uh, that, you know, it all goes back to the film and his film in, in 2019 was really, really damn impressive. He just kind of seems like the like the like the perfect Packers old GM type of pick. Like when the Packers drafted Justin Harrell, and he <laughs> and he came out and he, you know, he had Boomer Bust, you know, written all over him, and they drafted him high. And so, I mean, he's he's such an interesting prospect. He's a converted wide receiver that um, really just got got to playing cornerback late. Am I correct on that, Mason? I believe so. Yeah, I think he's yeah. only been playing corner for uh, for two or three years. Yeah. Wow. So, um, I, I guess I'll follow up. If it's not cornerback and it's not uh, inside linebacker, 
Is there a chance that they could gamble on a defensive tackle to, to stick somebody next to Kenny Clark uh, in, in that first-round pick? Um, you know, it, at least in my rankings, I don't have any defensive linemen uh, with the first-round grade. Um, I have Barmore from Alabama at the you know top of the, the second round. Um, but... Man, if, if, if it's not one of those two positions, I'd really look at, at offensive tackle because that group, I think the group is deep overall. But I think those those top four guys, uh, Swell, Derisaw, Mayfield, uh, Eichenberg, uh, those are the, really the guys to, to look at. Um, and you have Slater from Northwestern as well. I see him more as an interior guy. I know a lot of people have him at tackle, but I see him more as an interior guy he'd be an interesting prospect um, as at the tackle position as well. I think he can play tackle in the league. Um, but, you know, if it's not linebacker, if it's not corner, I don't necessarily see them taking uh, a defensive lineman. I think, you know, there's, I'm not super impressed with the group from top to bottom, bottom to be quite honest with you. Um, so I think, I think, if they can get a tackle, you know, one of those top four guys, you know, those top four or five guys, um, you know, I think that would be a, a really good pick. Cause like I said earlier, they need a guy to play right tackle because they just don't have it right now. So Mason, just to kind of take a step back here, ultimately at the end of the day, you know, we're judging a lot, you're judging a lot on film. You're judging a lot on, on guys who opted out where you're kind of looking at the 40 times and all that things too. So I guess ultimately, you know, you see these guys who, after the season ends, they either rise meteorically or they fall. As a scouting, I guess, guru here, along the four of us here. Mason's an expert. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what do you put more weight in, or how do you kind of, how do you weight those things where a guy, you know, between what they do at like a combine or between what they do at a pro day versus what they can do on field, like what the eye test says, where does that all fall in your mind when you're doing these different grades? Sure. For, for me, it's, pretty much 95% film. Um, you know, the, the measurables, I think, you know, the, the 40 and your shuttle time, your three cone, whatever it is, those measurables can kind of help you complete the picture. You know, if you have questions about a certain trait that a guy has, those things can kind of, you know, kind of paint the entire picture for you. But at the end of the day, it comes back to the film because, you know, you can be wowed by a guy that runs in the forward twos in the 40 yard dash, but, how many times on a football field in game action are you running 40 yards in a straight line? Not too often, yeah, never. unfortunately. So it, it always comes back to the film because, you know, there's, there's play speed and there's time speed and, you know, there's guys in the past and, you know, for, for Packer fans, James Jones is a perfect example. Um, I want to say he ran like four, like high four fives which is pretty damn slow for a wide receiver. But yeah. he he knew how to attack defenses, his route running and how to attack leverage. He was good at the catch point and those tools together got him success in the league. So, you know, it it's great to be able to run that fast, you know, if you're running the four twos, there's not a ton of guys in the league that are going to be able to keep up with you if you're running vertically down the field. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you got to be able to play the ball 
and you got to be able to process what's happening in front of you, whether it's coverages, blocking schemes. Um, you know, if you're a quarterback, you got to see the entire field from above, essentially, you got to know everything that's going on. So, you know, to be able to process all that in, you know, split seconds, um, you know, I don't care if, if you run a four two, if then you're the fastest guy, you can be Usain Bolt on a football field, but if you don't know what's going on out there, you're not going to be very successful. So you really have to have all the tools. And that's where I think all, a lot of people, fans and, and things like that, and all these media and draft quote unquote gurus, uh, kind of are mistaken is how much more info the teams have on these prospects than we do. I mean, they get to, of course, this year's kind of different, but typically, you know, we go back to, to last year, uh, prior to COVID shutting everything down. These guys as scouts and GMs, they get 15 to 20 minutes to interview these guys at the senior bowl. They get time with them at the combine, sit down and talk ball with them, kind of pick their minds, learn about the player themselves as a person and learn about their football IQ as well where a lot of people in the media and the fans, they don't know those things about a prospect. So, you know, a lot of people can be surprised by a guy being drafted super high or drafted super low. But at the end of the day, the teams have so much more info about these guys than the rest of us have. So, you know, that's another thing to just keep in mind. I mean, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle, but at the end of the day, it always comes back to the film. So, Mason, first I would just like to say this is all fantastic uh, information you're giving us. I mean, I've, I've loved every minute of this so far, so thank you very much. Um, my next question is, um, in, in what is going to be a wacky year for the draft, uh, specifically where we might see a UW-Whitewater uh, offensive lineman drafted before any Wisconsin Badger gets drafted or at all, um, who do you see as the best Wisconsin Badger prospect coming out of the draft? I know we've got a couple that might might get picked in the latter rounds, uh, like a Van Lannan or a Dietzen or, or um, Rashad Wild Goose. I, I, I don't know uh, if I named them all, but who do you see as a guy that could be kind of a surprise pick way up there uh, maybe a, a day two, late day two, or or early, early day three guy. Yeah, I honestly, I don't know if there's going to be a guy that's like way up there. Um, but uh, Eric Burrell, he's a, a safety. Okay. Um, you know, I think he's going to, I think he's going to be a day, a day three guy. I think he, he can add depth at the back end. Um, you know, he was asked to do a ton at Wisconsin. You know, Jim Leonard's defense is, pretty damn complex. I mean, he runs a lot of different coverages and, um, you know, he was asked to play down in the box. He was asked to play as a single high, uh, asked to play as a, you know, split safety as well. Um, but you know, he has some interesting tools to work with. I think with all the different positions that he played in, I think his football IQ is obviously pretty damn good, uh, you know, to be able to understand what his responsibility is in each spot. Uh, I think he's a physical tackler. I think he is, he takes good angles, uh, no matter what position he's playing in. Um, you know, the, the range and the, the athletic ability that he has like a sideline to sideline. I don't think he's going to be playing as a single high safety in the league by any means. Um, uh, but I think he's a guy that can come in and maybe some, some sub package situations to start with. And ultimately, you know, maybe play his way onto the field, but he's going to have to, 
you know, a later on pick that I expect him to be, he's going to have to be able to play special teams uh, very well to be able to make a roster. And um, I think he's capable, capable of doing that. Um, the ball, ball skills weren't great. He had a couple of turnovers that were on tip, uh, tip passes and things like that, but you're still in the right place at the right time, being able to play the football. And, um, you know, he was kind of the, I think my top graded Wisconsin guy, I think overall. Wow. Not so, overall. I'm, I'm sorry. Just like from university of Wisconsin, I got okay. uh, managers <laughs> from, uh, from, from whitewater quite a bit ahead of any guy from, uh, from Wisconsin. Yeah. All right, Mason. So ultimately just to kind of wrap up here, green Bay Packers three day draft experience here. What do you need to see from this team to feel confident going into next season? Or even more confident, I should sure. say, I guess, to kind of be yeah. something we talked sure. about here last week. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, kind of the, the things that I mentioned, you know, I think they're they're needing that that inside backer that can take up a lot of space in the in the middle of the field. Um, I think, and I, I don't want to say that and and feel like I'm I'm hating on um, on Barnes or on Martin summers or anything like that. Cause I think, you know, I think Barnes is a, is a good player. I think Martin's going to be a good player, but I just, I don't think they possess that, that sideline, the sideline uh, speed that you know, good defenses have, has, have had over the last decade. You know, this year was so evident with, um, with, with Tampa Bay, with white and with David, I mean, you could not run outside on that defense because of how good their interior speed was. I mean, you could, you could block the the D line and their edge players, but with those guys scraping over the top, it was so hard to run outside against those guys. And then you pair it up with being pretty serviceable in, uh, in pass coverage also. And that made it a really damn good defense. I mean, it was some good defense already, but it made a good defense, a great defense, having that speed and the, on the inside of the second level. So I think that's got to be a priority. Um, like I said, you, you know, if, if your, your salary cap is tied up primarily with Aaron Rodgers, he's a league MVP, uh, you got to protect him. So, you know, they're going to need a, a tackle at some point and whether that's through the draft or if there's someone out there on, on the market that can, you know, be a, a good starting offensive tackle in the league, you, you better get them in here. Cause they, I just, I don't feel confident that Billy Turner can sustain being at tackle permanently. Uh, I think he's, he's too limited athletically to, to be out in space consistently. And I think you kind of saw that um, once he started playing more games specifically at left tackle. Um, so those two things for sure would love you know, to see them add a, a bigger physical corner uh, to go on the opposite side of, of Jair. Uh, like I said earlier, I think Jair is a, a top five corner in the league. And so if you, if you get a guy that can, doesn't even necessarily have to be a shutdown corner. Like he doesn't need, there's very few shutdown corners in the league, but you know, if a guy that, that can just not be a liability out there. And like I said earlier, I think Kevin King is capable of doing it if he's allowed to be able to get up in a guy's face and press him and reroute guys, I think he's capable of that, but just adding depth because if Jair, heaven forbid, 
has an injury at some point, or even if King does, which I mean, he has, you don't have a ton behind that. So, you know, creating some depth at that position. And um, like I said earlier, um, I, to, to you guys point, I think, you know, a slot receiver could, could serve them and their offense well as a whole. And there's a number of guys that fit that slot role that are, that are shorter, that have quick twitch, that have good hands, uh, that are good and contested in congested areas. So, um, you know, those are the things that I'm looking for, for sure. Uh, there'll be, there's been talks about possible trades from, the, D, the defensive lineman with Dean Lowry, he's been kind of talked about. I don't really know where that even came from, but it was kind of uh, something that's started circling a little bit. So, I mean, if you know they get uh, a mid-round option as a as a defensive lineman, and, and there's a guy there that they like, uh, it'd be nice to have uh, a depth piece in there alongside Clark, and I think Kiki's going to be good as well. But um, you know, I would focus on corner and after linebacker offensive tackle those would be the, the positions that they have to hit in this draft all right mason so I, I, i'm gonna put you on the spot you're at number 29 you've got a hand in the card you've got a zoom call roger goodell and tell him this is the guy we're taking who one name who are you taking oh, man like like i said it's all all based on on who's there but um Owosu Karamoa from Notre Dame is a, just a prospect that I really like. There's been a number of guys over the past few years that you, know, you watch their film and it's just so much fun to watch them on film. Like Justin Jefferson for me was that guy last year where you turn on his film. He was just so fun to watch. And same thing with Isaiah Simmons last year. Like every, every time you turn on the film, number 11 was around the football. And it was the same thing watching Owosu Karamoa on film. His film was super fun to watch. Um, like I said, probably a very, very, very low chance that he would be there at 29. They would have to trade up to, to be able to get a guy like that. Um, but his film was super, super fun to watch. He's a sideline, sideline guy. Like I said earlier, he can plug gaps. He can defend the outside run. I think he's serviceable in man coverage against tight ends and running backs in the short to intermediate areas of the field. I think he's good in zone coverage. Um, there are a lot of plays last year for Notre Dame's defense where the play was finishing and Owosu Karamoa was around the football. So um, if I had my choice of anyone in the, you know, in the first round, that's not one of those like very like top five, top 10 prospects. Uh, it would, it would be him for sure. All right, Mason, thank you so much for joining us. How can the people follow your work? Yeah, to be honest, uh, you know, I don't, uh, really put it out there a ton. I, I, I share some stuff on, uh, on Facebook and I, I did create a YouTube channel. I haven't really put anything out there yet. Um, but yeah, like I said earlier, I've been doing this last few years of you know, doing uh, film breakdowns and um, grading all these prospects and things like that. And I kind of just do it for my, for myself just cause I enjoy doing it and watching film and building a board and prospect rankings and everything. Um, so, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here and kind of share it with people because uh, I don't hey. share it uh, you know, too, too much at this point. So I really appreciate you guys uh, giving me a platform to come on here and, and talk ball and uh, really enjoy talking ball with you. It's exciting that yeah. the draft's only two weeks away now. Yeah, no, thank you. Uh, I, th- I thought it was outstanding. It was great. I think all 15 of our fans are going to love it. <laughs> uh, 
It's like 30, it was, Justin. Yeah. Goddamn. Oh, sorry. <laughs> 30. But no, Mason, thank you very much. It was great. I, I love talking draft. This is this is my time of the year. I'm sure it's your time of the year. And uh, you just made me that much smarter and that much uh, more crazy, crazy anticipating the draft and, and waiting for it. Um, so thank you again. Football scouting expert Absolutely. Mason Springers, everybody. Thank you, Mason. Thanks, Appreciate it, guys. Thank you once again, Mason. Man, that was incredible. Awesome. Yeah, dude. It's, yeah. Just, have just a wealth of knowledge. Like I just found myself just just, how in depth yeah, he was on everything. Just listening to him as well. Oh, I think that's the quietest Ramsey's been in, that I've been around him are, since are I've we, known him. Are we sure that <laughs> Ramsey's ever been that quiet? No, I was just I just like you guys probably listening right now. I'm just listening to him. I'm going through the scouting reports as he's talking with some of his players, and it's just hitting. hitting yeah, it's hitting, crazy. Hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great job, Mason. Yeah, that Great was job. awesome. So we go from that. We'll wrap up the show like we always do. What we're rooting for this week, I'll guess after we shat on baseball I'll episode here in the beginning parts anyway. I'm gonna take that because I'll be down in Milwaukee this I'm, weekend. I, we didn't shit on it, right? We just shit at the length about it. Well, and. Uh, stereotypes that have to go into it because we're baseball writers and we need to be old school. Oh, they're all on shots in their ass and stuff. Yeah, so. no one no one reads papers anymore. You guys can kick rocks too. But I'll be down there this weekend so I'll be posting some root for Wisconsin Mike stuff. Mike Lupica. Um, <laughs> from American Family Field. So check that out on our Facebook page this week. Which one do you guys want to go next? Uh, um, we generally looked up that Channel Raceway is going to open up some Dirt King Racing this weekend, so I'm super excited about that. Love going to Shano. It's a great experience. It's a great great thing to bring your family to. Uh, just a great night of racing. So um, I don't I don't know that I'll make my way up there, but I'm glad it's open. Glad that we know it's open. Something and, normal. And, and we can and we can go and do it. You know, it's it's uh, something that you can bring your family, get the hell out of the house, and go do something. So yeah, gates will open at six p.m. Pretty awesome on Saturday the seventeenth. Pretty so awesome. Go check that out if you're in Shano. Ramsey. So I've got a couple NASCAR things related. Um, I guess I'll start with NASCAR um, sponsoring or Quick Trip sponsoring the July Fourth race down at Road America in Wisconsin. In Wisconsin, it's gonna be a big weekend. Yeah. Um, we also got... Can't wait to not go there. You're not going to go? Can't. Why? We'll have probably a heel of kid on the way, or kid here. No, yeah, well, that too, but I'll be working at the food stand at the old uh, Jill Fairgrounds. Well, you didn't skip that. Go to America. Got to do it. Uh, so also, awesome, by the way. Also hitting on uh, Josh Berry went over the Xfinity race. Over awesome. The Marcus Lemonis is going to give him sponsorship to Ron yeah. Talladega. Did you see, I've... Tweeted you? I didn't. I tweeted at you. My tweets sometimes don't come through, so I will look at my. You gotta look at that tweet. Uh, so yeah, Marcus Lemonis, awesome guy again, and then Richmond this weekend. So Richmond's one of my favorite racetracks. I know it's Eric's one of his favorites. It's definitely without a doubt my favorite. Track. I love Richmond. It's kind of a mix between a short track and a oval track, so you get a little bit of. Yeah. What? Well, how long is that? That's a mile, right? Mile. I think it's a half. I think it is. Maybe a three quarter. I think it's three quarter. It's it's just it's an intermediate track. It's but beautiful with high banks. It's an intermediate track that plays at a short track. Yeah. So it's an interesting high banks, but but low banking down low. A little bit of beating and banging. Yeah, you can run two lines on a short track. That's really cool. I, I so, love that track. Yeah. Yeah, it's my favorite. Who who is the favorite on that track coming in? I know. 
I think True it's Denny X Hamlin. is hot. It is point seven five, by the way. Just look at that. True X is hot right now. I think it's me, Denny Hamlin. He's okay. due for a win. He's really good at Richmond. He's from right down the road. Yeah, so. that's what. It was. Okay. So not Ty Dillon. No, not Ty Dillon. Okay. I've heard, I've heard he's a race car driver. Like he should just. He's another one. Okay, Crocs. Your grandpa wasn't rich. He wouldn't be in the sport. Oh, did ooh, I say that out loud? Ooh, ooh. Ooh. Now Austin Dillon, he's been doing all right. He's been. Truex is the favorite. Truex is plus four fifty. Dunny Hamlin's plus five fifty. Chase Elliott plus seven hundred. I would I stay. I, I, I would stay like away from the Chase Elliott yeah, bit. He's care. traditionally not run necessarily great. Yeah. So ultimately, you got to pick for this weekend, Ramsey. I think it's gonna be Dunny Hamlin. All right. So check out our Facebook page for some monkey knife fight stuff this weekend. That's all we got, guys. Episode 18 in the books. Maybe not. No, I'm good. All right, so. <laughs> Jesus. This show's awful. This is the worst Episode show. 18 I just threw in you the off on that just because I wanted to. Episode 18 is in the books. I'm Eric, Justin, Ramsey. We are signing off. See ya. Bye.